Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Yulia. This is Dream Nation Love. Today, my guest is Rexy Roll. She is an artist, musician, aviation and business lawyer, and the vice president of operations and general counsel at Western Air. Western Air are a privately owned airline operating in the Bahamas. They are also one of the most successful black-owned airlines in the U.S., which is pretty awesome. It's a family-owned company. Rexy's parents started Western Air in 2001, and she has helped grow the company since she was a kid, packing luggage tags, working after school, and now working as the VP of Operations and General Counsel. It's a really great story. Rexy oversees the day-to-day operations of the busy airline and all legal affairs, And on this podcast, we talk about what it takes to run an airline, basically how Rexy does it, because it's it's pretty amazing, all of it. She's been one of the people I wanted to interview for a really long time, and I'm so glad that we made this happen. We've been trying to set up this podcast for the last two years. Rexy is also the founder of Gal on a Mission, which provides mentorship and career help to girls in the Bahamas. And they help develop the next generation of women in leadership positions. And we didn't get to talk about it on the show, but I wanted to mention it so people know that it's there. It's a great resource for girls living in the Bahamas. So if you're a girl in the Bahamas or know of a girl interested in leadership in the Bahamas, definitely connect her with Rexy. And also check out Rexy's music because her music is amazing. She's a huge inspiration. So enjoy the show and share it with a friend. And don't forget to sign up for my new newsletter. There's a link in the Instagram bio and you can also check it out on the website at dreamnation.io. Each month you get a personal newsletter from me and it's full of really interesting recaps of the podcast as well as what's happening in the world of women empowerment, veganism, cannabis, and all this really, really interesting stuff. So definitely sign up. You are going to love, love, love getting a newsletter every month. I actually call it the love letter because it's not a regular newsletter. It's a love letter and it's interactive. So feel free to send me information and I will add it into the newsletter every time it comes out because I want it to be really inclusive. I'll do my best every time. All right. Enjoy the show. I'm so excited to have you on the show. You do such amazing work and we've been trying to make this happen for such a long time. And I ask all of my guests, what was your dream as a kid? Yes. What was my dream as a kid? Okay. So I definitely, as a kid, I had multiple dreams. I definitely thought I was going to be a pop star, part of Destiny's Child. I always tell everybody that. But I also always wanted to be an attorney. I have pictures of me maybe eight or nine years old with a briefcase for career day. And I said I was a lawyer. And I don't even think I fully understood what exactly that meant. But I would always hear, oh, it means that you express your what you believe and you can argue well. So I was you're like, a pop oh, star. I can do you're that. living your dream. You're doing everything all at once and you're an attorney and you're also the VP of operations and you're doing an amazing, you're just, I'm just really in awe of you. I've been following you a few years and you're just Thank like you. showing up as yourself. Yeah, you're just We've fabulous and you're doing your thing and you're just knocking time. it out yeah. of the ballpark. And I wanted to talk to you about work and, and life and how you do it from having that dream of being a pop star to oh, going on to run an amazing, successful, I think it's the largest black owned airline. Am I correct? 
Yes. As far as we know, particularly in the region, of course, when we get into technicalities, when we're talking about black owned, because obviously countries that are predominantly black have airlines. And so if they're government owned and they're technically black, then yes. But certainly within the Bahamas, yes, yeah, certainly we're a private airline and certainly within the Bahamas and many would say within the region. For me, what came first was obviously education. My family has always been big on, on education and I certainly wanted to pursue music and do all of that great stuff. But my dad would say, you can do anything you want, but being a lawyer is going to make you better at whatever it is you decide to do. And luckily, I didn't really need much convincing because I knew I wanted to do that. But it was a good reminder at a time when, you know, taking the LSATs and getting prepared to go to law school and that entire process can be so tedious. But really, I had no idea that law was going to evolve into this aviation space. I knew, obviously, Western Air started when I was only 12 years old and I was intricately involved in the process and was very much aware of the challenges and things that took place, I just didn't see how it was all going to interconnect. I would definitely say within law school, it started to make a lot of sense as to where I would be of most value and where I would be of most value on the legal side of things in terms of protecting the company and really uh, restoring a lot of structure that's necessary and on the operational side. So from that point on, and then after doing that and feeling comfortable in that space, I felt more freedom to pursue my creative side, I which is, is music and, and putting Kesha's out music mom on uh, the show, professionally. Phoebe Sieber, and she was talking about how Kesha is thinking about going uh, to school to become a lawyer. It's wow. everything is amazing, right? Whatever you do, like being the lawyer, you're going to be signing contracts. As an artist, you're going to be signing contracts. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. all you do. It's and at so least true. it gives you a good it's base. It's so amazing. And I was going to ask you, like, how do you balance your time during the day? Because there's not enough time for everything. So how do you split up all of your responsibilities between Western Air, between making music and obviously taking time for yourself and everything else? What advice do you have for people who are juggling so many things, so many dreams? Right. I was just telling a friend of mine that I was on a panel about two years ago and somebody asked, so, so what, how to explain your work-life balance? And I was like, oh, I don't have a work-life balance. I'm just all work oriented. And I remember saying that as if it was a cool thing. And all the folks who were a bit older looked at me like, yeah, that's not going to laugh. And it's true. You do need a work-life balance. So for me, I'm still fine tuning what that looks like. Right now, I've been traveling quite a bit, which has been awesome. But at the same time, I've had some of the craziest complex transactions going on all at the same time. So it's really been right off the bat focusing on prioritizing what is most urgent, what is most critical, and then chipping away at everything from there. And then pausing, making a conscious effort to pause, live a little, and then come back to the work. But of course, I don't allow certain deadlines or things to lapse that are pertinent to the business. So it it really requires juggling, honestly, and being aware that if you are not at optimal speed, there's no way that you can produce optimal work. I make a conscious effort to try to exercise, eat, do those things, have my private personal life as well. And, and it's then really at the hard same when you're time, a workaholic, go when you're hard in love when it comes to work. Too. Like, you just don't want to stop. 
I have a friend and he always said, what's your life like now? And yes. he's like, every day is a Sunday. He's like super successful. You make it so every day you love what you do. So it doesn't feel like work. Exactly. There are different aspects of work and what one sees as work. And it's so true. Like you love what you do. It really isn't work. But then there are some tasks that is related to your work or passion that at the end of the day, it is a practical, tedious thing to complete. And so it does feel like work, even though you realize that the bigger picture means so much more to you. I don't take it lightly that people depend on us to get them from point A to point B every day. And I have a team that works really hard to do that. And so if I don't find those tasks, as much as they may be annoying or repetitive, if I, I can't even imagine running a huge airline. Like just thinking about, about it myself. gives me like anxiety. And it's so technical. I'm just in awe. And I, I read yeah. your story about how your mom and your dad started the company mm -hmm. when you were very little. And I won't go into it like too much now because I think that story exists on like Forbes and you can read it on mm -hmm. so many websites. So I won't delve into it, but it's just so inspiring that you were yeah. raised in such an entrepreneurial yeah. family and you were able to just like dive into business and watch them build an airline from the ground up. And then even them didn't realize that it was going to become a airline in such a sense of what it is now. The goal was we were solving a problem, so right? Initially, that's but, what a good yes, entrepreneur does. They noticed that there's not a jet that goes from an island to the island in the Bahamas, and that's how you get around. And uh, and your parents solved this problem. And I was gonna ask you, what is the most challenging part of running an airline? I can't even. Imagine what that can be because there's the timing, there's the fuel costs are going up right now too. I was reading that like fuel costs are through the roof right now and there's like a fuel shortages all that American Airlines is having. What are some challenges, you know, as a, as a VP you always have to overcome and how do you stay motivated to keep coming up with innovation? Because you're always on your toes and you're always innovating. And the market is always changing. And I think I wouldn't necessarily consider that a challenge, but it's certainly a consideration. And you mentioned about fuel prices. That's a major thing, right? Because fuel is the by far the largest expense to any airline. Well, let me not say any airlines, but to the majority of airlines, fuel for sure, if they are consistently flying, is the major expense. And it certainly is for us. Really, the most challenging is you have to ensure that we are providing a service that people want. And at the same time, doing that in a way that is cost effective. And so it's not always about what you make. It's, it's about what you keep. And in balancing or, or going forward with this operations, you always want to think like a passenger. How do they want this experience? They don't really want all the frills and whistles as much as they want to get from where they are to where they want to go safely on time and with their bags. But particularly in the Bahamas where you have these select groups of islands where some are less populated than others, it's really about finding the sweet spot in terms of the volume of flights, the, the timing of the flights, when people want to travel, keeping your ear on the ground as to how to curtail or provide a service that people actually want. Because you can say, Hey, we're flying from Mexico to the Bahamas every day, three times a day. But if 
people don't have an interest to fly from Mexico to the Bahamas three times a day, what are you doing it for? So it's really about the scheduling and, and understanding what will work. And then sometimes those changes happen a day before or a couple of days before, and you have to adjust the schedule and dealing with passengers and all of that. So that's the balancing act there is, is ensuring that right, you and are it's so hard meeting to the understand demand it. and There's understanding no, like, data the demand. site that exists that shows like, here's where people are traveling from. There's no like huge website. You have to get creative on how you source your data, which becomes a really right. fun data project, actually, if you're into data. Exactly. For data scientists and all that stuff. Somebody can figure that out. I would pay big money for that <laughs> to know how often, who wants to travel here? Like I was like, wait, I just came amazing. up with an app that, would that somebody can so technically build. If you... That's very interesting. I was also going to ask you about your music too. What I love about you is that like most pop stars like pose with jets, like here's my private jet, but you're like, no, this is my jet. I own all of these jets. <laughs> you're like, this is my company. <laughs> I love that. I just love that. But I love your music too. And I know you look up to Rihanna as well because she's an amazing businesswoman. And I think it, it requires a really great business sense to be a yeah. good musician. Like Mick Jagger went to the London School of Economics. I don't think a lot of people know that. Yeah, the history is phenomenal. Like that band was wow, a hot mess. I didn't and he just know kept that. everything together. Like everybody was on heroin. And he was he's really great at business and he was making the machine go. Wow. I, is there any documentary? I read a bunch of Keith Richards documentary books. That. I don't know it's if there's cool. one on Mick Jagger. I'm sure there is. But if you start doing deep dives on him, he's really great at business. And all they are is like an like one of the best businesses in the world. <laughs> wow. It's really cool. That is so I think like cool. a lot of people are that like, really oh, awesome. the Rolling Stones. I'm like, no, the Rolling Stones. Mick is not, you know, he's not just like some dumbass. He's really smart. It's amazing. I was also going to ask you, Absolutely. what Sounds is the one so. thing that you learned from your parents doing this company? And what is the one thing maybe that your parents are learning from you? Because I'm sure like, you know, working with family gets really close sometimes too. And it's really hard to run a family business because you're so close. You're, and there's no like, like in Absolutely. my family, there are, there are no boundaries. So it's really hard. <laughs> and... and... <laughs> We're try we're still trying to establish boundaries because it's it's Sunday here and I still get voice notes from them. So here's what we are thinking. It, it doesn't matter what time of the day, if they have an idea, but or they want to discuss or they want to ask something, they just do it. There is no boundary of time. Oh, so I'm off at five PM. There's no set hours. But I would say what I've learned from my parents is I know it sounds cliche, but perseverance. Many times when you start a new project and you get a few hiccups, people tend to just give up and say, oh, that's not working out. What I have seen them demonstrate, particularly both of them, but particularly my dad, is this unexplained perseverance that he is just determined to do what he says he's going to do. And people operate with that kind of willpower to keep pushing forward, they would be able to accomplish a lot more. And um, so for me, it's always, for example, filling out certification forms and doing such really tedious office work 
can just seem daunting, but you just continue to, you find that motivation by looking at the fact that this is bigger than you. And what they've learned from me, they had to implement a lot of structure because they had a great idea, but there was a lot of structure necessary. And they love to say, leave it to lawyers to make everything more complicated. And it's, it, it, that is true. But at the same time, it provides a good flow, a system that's necessary. Just establishing protocols internally is just really important for the business. Even if it has nothing to do with the passengers itself, it's internally the structure, which they had to the you know standard degree, but we wanted to implement even more to make the operations well, you know, you more fine-tuned. So I think it's structure. a give and take with us. You can get to a certain point, like without structure, you can kind of wing it. But then when it gets to a certain point where right. you start really growing, you need structure and you can't do anything without structure. I was at to my like first dinner out Absolutely. in this pandemic. People are like, hey, you got a baby. What are your days like? And I'm like, I've got a strict schedule and everybody's laughing at me. And like, what's everybody laughing about? And they're like, you can't have a schedule with a baby. And I'm like, that's the only way I do this. I fed the baby. She slept. Now that's mom, smart. take her. And I'm going to do a podcast for half an hour right. because... If there was no schedule, I, I wouldn't be able to book a, a time. And now she's happy and she's full and she's playing. And you need a schedule for humans and businesses. Right. They're the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I completely agree. And, you know, I don't have kids, but when that does happen, I, I feel like I would be the same way. I believe in setting structure and having a schedule. It just helps. Op- I'm sure there are great times to be spontaneous and go with the flow. But for the most part, especially kids, I think so they true. should have and some sort of structure from ask, early on. How did your parents scale an airline? I know they started out with one jet. Your father is uh, a private pilot. You got a jet and you started going. But like, whenever I think of right. scaling an airline, I think of Richard Branson. And I was reading the case study on him because he didn't buy the jet. He made a deal to rent the jet to see if his business would work which was fascinating. And Richard Branson was like, I wasn't sure if Virgin was going to work. So I just rented an airplane from somebody else. And I was like, what? Like, you can do that? So I was just interested in hearing how you did it. Brilliant. Yeah. So they didn't rent, but we did do a lease to own at the beginning. And that's that's a common structure within airlines. You either lease to own, or many would just do an operating lease, which I guess some would consider a rent. It's an operating lease where, you know, for three or maybe even two years, you have this aircraft. And sometimes they provide crew, maintenance, all of that jazz. It's called ATMI. Other times in our situation, for us, it was we wanted to own the aircrafts eventually. So it was a, a lease situation. You put a deposit down and bill from that. The airline grew organically because of we were so aggressive in the early days about providing flight times. Remember, I mentioned earlier about understanding the demand. And so it was a smaller aircraft at that time. And so we would just act almost like a taxi back and forth every day. And people enjoyed that flexibility to travel at these various times and to be on time. We gained a reputation quite quickly about being on time. And then as you know, things grew, of course, more structure came into place, more departments came into place. I like to think that there are big phases. I would 
say that we are in this third phase. We have gone through a point where we were earlier on, we, then we, you know, added larger aircrafts and then we added larger aircrafts from there. And now I feel like we are preparing for another stage, which will require even more structure and will require more aircrafts because we do plan on offering more flight services outside of the Bahamas. In terms of scaling, you kind of go through those hiccups in that initial year of just finding the scheduling flow, finding the departmental flow. But once that is established, oh, it's such a good sweet spot. It's almost like when you first move to a new city, it's unfamiliar, you're still trying to figure out how to bring your groceries upstairs to the, the 19th floor or wherever, and, and you're figuring the, out the kinks, but maybe two months down the line, you've got this and you know where the grocery store is, you know where this is. And so that's really what it is for us is taking the time and finding out what the Bahamas we got hit with, with a hurricane a while back and we connected we can. because you were yeah. flying from Miami to the Bahamas and I was trying to organize yeah. something for ad agencies for relief efforts to the Bahamas. But then I went back to work uh, a week later and I had to like stop trying to ping the ad agencies because I was like in an ad agency and I couldn't do anything because I was working like 15 hours a day. But, but I just remembered how you yeah. were flying supplies to the Bahamas and how amazing that was and how inspiring that was and how your hangar was completely destroyed. And you were posting all of these pictures that are still probably up on Instagram and how you still managed yeah. to operate the business with a broken hangar. And it was just, yeah. it was incredible. Yeah, it's in the process now. It's looking really good. It's in the process of reconstruction still. The hangar is pretty much done and the terminal, the passenger terminal is, I would say about 50% there. So we're working along and people of Grand Bahama, particularly who were affected by Hurricane Doreen, which was the worst hurricane in the region for the entire century. It was that bad and that catastrophic. They imagine still being on the mend of trying to repair and then COVID hits and shuts down the remaining businesses that you had. So for us, Hurricane Dorian afterwards, we actually had a lot of flights. We were flying a lot and it was extremely high volume because there were a lot of people needing to repair and check on their family and friends and businesses. And there was a lot going on. So once COVID hit, it was like a screeching halt because we were just moving like lightning speed. And it did impact the business. Obviously, we went through a lockdown period where flights were not allowed to go throughout the Bahamas. And really, it was just standstill. And we had a few months of lockdown and we were able to get jump back. Business and travel has not fully bounced back to where it was pre-pandemic. Uh, However, we certainly see significant increase. And then the more the travel requirements and more importantly, the virus gets more under control in the country, we look forward to even more travel. But everywhere, we've got like, to get people a handle are pretending thing, like the virus is not happening and the Delta variant is not there. Like I'm scrolling through Instagram, I'm looking at concerts and I'm like, I went out the yeah. other day, I went out to the plaza because I was like, yeah. oh, let's just go to the plaza. And I didn't realize how many people were in the plaza and how many people were out yeah. like tourists. And I was like, and I was like, my baby doesn't have a mask. And, and I was like, what yeah. am I doing here? Like. I have to get back in the house because. Right. 
with a baby, with anyone really. I obviously have been traveling and, and going out. I got vaccinated. And as time goes on and you start to hear more of the data and you, you hear about the Delta variant, I remember being mid-travel because I'm heading back to the Bahamas tomorrow. Mid-travel feeling like, wait a second, my mom really had COVID terribly. And thank God she's great and all of that. But I was speaking to one of her doctors a couple of days ago. They randomly called to you know check on her and they just said, I know you're traveling. Just a reminder though, continue to wear your mask, continue to act as if this is really still a threat to you because even though you're vaccinated, it doesn't mean obviously that you cannot contract or get COVID, particularly the Delta variant, which does not care whether or not you are vaccinated. Apparently, in fact, I think I heard 60% of the UK hospitalized cases were folks who have been vaccinated. So it certainly was a good reminder. Okay, this thing is not gone by no means. And so I'm certainly taking all the precautions personally. And everywhere I go, obviously, we are required to have PCR tests and constant testing to ensure that we are being safe. It's amazing. And I was really nervous to fly Uh out because of Delta, but the rules were so strict that I was like, okay, I feel comfortable flying out. But that was before Delta. You know, I just want to thank all the airlines for taking such amazing precautions for making people feel safe for getting on the plane. Like you need your ID, the vaccination card, you need a test before you enter. Oh, yeah. It's still nerve wracking, but I still feel a little bit more comfortable about, you know, all the precautions that all the airlines are taking. It's not easy traveling during COVID. Going to these different countries, we had so many restrictions and and requirements and filling out health forms. But at the same time, it wasn't a complaint of mine Mm -hmm. because I I do feel like it helps and certainly helps the curtail during the travel. And if it gives anybody any comfort, I know sometimes people feel claustrophobic being in the aircraft with so many people and they think to themselves, is the air, you know, good? The air is circulated so often. It's much better than your typical office or workspace. That is the good thing is that aircrafts, particularly modern aircrafts, thought about these sort of viruses that are able to be transferred so easily back in the day, like tuberculosis and other transferable diseases like that. So they have these hyperventilation systems that help to stop that. So that's a good thing that people should be reminded of. And then, of course, if you're traveling, you have to take a test. And I know you're really busy, so I'm not going to keep you. So I just have two more questions. One, what's next for your music? Because I always love whenever you publish a video, whenever you publish a new song. And then my last question is, what's your dream as an adult? Yeah. First, with the music, I feel like I went on a unintended hiatus. I have music already that is not released. So I want to release it and just enjoy it and then hopefully do a few videos for it. And my goal when it comes to music will be able to perform live at a few different locations and, and really enjoy that aspect of music. And then I guess my adult goal is I'm so big on balance that I want and I believe that I will be able to continue to grow the company successfully with the help of my team and God. And then, of course, I want a family. And to be able to balance all of that will be 
great. And maybe even music is definitely still involved in that process as well. A good, well-balanced life is my I goal as an adult. <laughs> and I'm starting to realize there's just no balance. There's just doing. You just do it. That's it. Like, because I was like, how do you balance it all? And I'm like, women don't, I think men balance yeah. it. Cause I think it's a little easier for men, but we have, we have to do more work. Yeah. Like we have to carry the baby. We have to feed yeah. the baby. You should, oh, like, you've got bottles and stuff, but I don't know. Part yes. of me is like, is there a balance? Is there? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Like I'm only eight months into this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. I'm curious as to why you think there may not be a balance because here you are, you're a pretty new mom and you're doing your podcast and you have your own projects. Usually either work at ad agencies like 12 hours a day or I run my own ad agency. So, so something had to give because I was like, I can't be somewhere for 12 Uh. hours. Like when she was like four months old, I tried working again and I was like, I am going to die. Like I am, I can't do 12 hour days because like I need, even with my mom helping, <laughs> it's just impossible uh-huh. unless you have more help. That's the only way. It's like, you know what my grandma used to say, you can't sit on three chairs oh, at once. Right. You have to just like pick a chair and sit on it. Like you got to just sit at a different chair, but you can't sit on three chairs. She used to talk about dating. That's what it was. Yeah. She said, you can't sit on three chairs at once. Yeah. <laughs> That so, is so far, I'm can't just noticing that chairs. you can have it, but you can't do it all at once. You have to be like, okay, well, I'm taking care of the baby right now. Okay, well, I'm doing the ad agency right. for like a few months. You got to s- separate it because it, it's like being in like 3,000 places and your right. brain is in another place. That, that's been my experience. Right. Well, maybe that is, maybe that is a part of the balance, right? You compartmentalizing on one aspect, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. Maybe it doesn't, maybe balance is not something that happens every day. I think that's what it is. I think I was so focused on the daily balance. Like I was like, okay, I have to be at my ad agency for seven hours and I have to be just doing work for seven hours. Then I come home, I play with the baby and it, it just doesn't happen. It just, none of it. None of it happens and none of it happens like, like it's like business, right? Yeah. Nothing happens the way you plan it to happen. Like it's totally different. You imagine it in your head, you go through scenarios and then you get there and like think of, and you were like, I didn't even think about this until I'm doing this. Right. So I don't know. Ask me again when she's 20, but I, up until right. like, exactly. up until this, this little human needs to eat and she can't feed herself. <laughs> She can't like wipe her butt. She can't do anything. She's a little tiny human right. that just likes to jump. So it's hard. But I think yet, maybe when yet. they're like able to be like a little human, you get your life back. I hope you get your life back. But man, it's like, just enjoy mm-hmm. your time not having babies for like yeah. as long as you can. <laughs> it's also wonderful. But what you have right now is so special. Yeah. It's that time <laughs> that you're never going to get back. Again, until you're like very tired. <laughs> yeah. And that is the ultimate time for women to just be like putting the work into their business because then like your attention is just pulled away. So it's fun. It's mm. totally a different life. I can digress. I'm like a mom now. Right. That's all I do. I just talk about mom stuff. Yeah. Well, it's I love fun. that. You're creating a new consciousness, really right? Awesome. Like I'm teaching her music <laughs> and all this stuff. So it's fun. But 
I have to come and visit the Bahamas as soon as COVID is over. Yeah, I can't wait to say hi in person and meet you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is, has been a great conversation. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation Podcast, it's Dream Nation Love because I think my single mission in life is to teach people how to love a little bit more and together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love, share it with your friends, have a great day and go out and make the world a better place.